welcome to Ion Horror, the official podcast of iHorror.com. This is episode 96, otherwise known as season five, episode 18. 96 of these, man, we're getting up there. Uh, I am your host, James J. Edwards, and uh, with me, as always, is your other host, Jacob Davison. How are you doing, Jacob? Doing good, just uh, still kind of waking up, but yeah, uh, we're near the big 100. We're getting there, yeah. Uh, also with us yet again, as always, is your other other host, John Korea. How you doing, Korea? I'm uh, doing great. It's sweater, sweat, sweater weather. There we go. Yeah, I get to wear my hoodies. <laughs> yeah, I buy so many hoodies that I don't get to wear them all the time. Yeah. So for for about the next three weeks, it's sweater weather. I love it. I love it. Layers. I'd at least say three months because like it still gets pretty chilly in January, February. Three months, though. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. I hope because I'd rather have it be cold than warm because you can always put layers on. Yeah. You get to a certain point and then you just look like Frank and Hellraiser, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Help me. We haven't uh, done one of these in a while. I, I I, almost forgot how that intro goes. It's been so long. Um, I hope you guys missed us as much as we miss you. And I can say that I've missed both of you guys. We haven't sat down like this. We see yeah. each other on social media and we, you know, reply and like and stuff. But um, this is the only FaceTime that we get. So, yeah, you know, we we uh, we decided very early October to um, take a couple weeks off. You know, our our day jobs got real busy. Uh, this last month and uh you know also wanted to try to give ourselves a chance to celebrate you know the season so it seemed a little unorthodox to not be recording during our the big month of the year but we're also (laughs) huge fans of halloween and um you know needed to take that time for ourselves and now we're back so we have so much to catch up on i don't know about you guys but i snuck in quite a few viewings during october yeah, I, I got a lot of good watching done. Um, what we're gonna do today is if you're if you're a loyal listener, you know that we kind of just bullshit around the stuff that uh now I have to check that explicit box because I said bullshit. <laughs> well, you said um, the B word. <laughs> I always check that anyway because of Korea's potty mouth. Um we usually just kind of like you know, I'm going to do it again. We usually kind of shoot the shit about what we've seen and what's been going on for the first half. And then we go to a topic or a guest. Well, if you like that first half of our episodes, you're in for a treat today because all we're going to do is shoot the shit. So, um, yep. What you guys been seeing? Oh, geez. Where to begin? Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I was mostly working on my Hooptober list, which, uh, as you all know, I mostly use to as an opportunity to watch movies that I own that I haven't watched yet. And I did not finish my list this year. I think I got oh. to like 90%. Um, damn day job. Damn day job. And also uh, I spent the last uh, five or so days of October in New England. So I spent a lot of time, uh, the last few, you know, the last run of it, just uh, visiting family, friends and spooky cemeteries all throughout. So they don't have uh, horror movies in New England. They mm-hmm. do, but I was, you know, I was having too much fun visiting, you know, and seeing fam. So, um, but yeah, a lot of those titles were like older uh, this year with the Hooptober list. There was a lot of regional uh, horror uh, requirements. So I got to watch a lot of stuff like Whiskey Mountain, The Child, uh, really dug into my arrow box sets of the American Horror Project, you know, uh, which a lot of them were a lot of fun. And it was really interesting seeing these regional horror films that were made by like filmmakers uh, that were specific to areas outside of uh, Hollywood. Uh, so seeing stuff that was like being produced by stu- uh, small, small, small studios in like Florida and Wisconsin, it was really cool. Um, uh, so, th- so those were really fun. And of course uh, I got to finally watch a Toby Hooper title that I hadn't seen before. Cause you know, you can't do Hooptober without watching a Toby Hooper movie. Of and uh, and it was eaten alive, which oh. is such an interesting movie because it's the one he made um, after Texas Chainsaw. And he basically, because of Texas Chainsaw, got studio space and filmed in a uh, studio in L.A. And the whole story, it, it sounds like something that someone would hire the guy who made Texas Chainsaw to make because it's all about this uh, real life guy who like murdered people and then fed them, t- supposedly fed them <laughs> to his alligator. And 
but the whole thing was shot like a fairy tale and was like very weird overall. And there was also a lot of behind the scenes things of like Toby Hooper, like getting replaced towards the end and like losing final edit and stuff, which happened a lot to him, unfortunately, uh, throughout his career. I was going to say that 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 might have been the first time, but it wouldn't be the last. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it was still very weird, very interesting. Like, uh, did you recognize Robert uh, England in it? I oh, of course, Robert (laughs) England as as the southern uh, horn dog. Yeah, Buck. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's where Tarantino got that whole thing. Like, name is Buck, and I'm here to fuck. (laughs) Now we definitely have to check the explicit button. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, sorry, couldn't resist. (laughs) No, you're good, bud. You're good. But yeah, it was it was a grand old time. I always loved doing the Hooptober. I'm gonna try to finish out the titles this month, but uh, yeah, that was definitely a highlight. Also, I think we talked about it already. Mikey was another huge highlight Uh, for me, Um, and uh, Doctor Terror's House of Horrors which is another anthology from Amicus was just absolutely brilliant. There was a Christopher Lee's uh, story in it. He played like an art critic who is a real dick. And um, he gets tricked by this one guy who he always like, like really trashes on and like made him give a good review to a painting that was made by a chimpanzee. And it drove (laughs) him insane to the point of murder. Uh, And so he murders the guy and the guy's hand haunts him. Uh, and it was it's just so good you you can't you can't be an amicus anthology film they were they were the masters and that sounds like a kitchen sink one it's like okay okay no let, let, let's have a painting <laughs> painted by a chimpanzee yeah. and no 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 hear me out a haunted hand yeah. and uh... <laughs> oh it was great and then like afterwards the artist kept showing up to things and chris really would be giving a speech and the guy would be in the background and like made like paper cutouts of chimpanzees to show him. it was <laughs> It's just so good. What it's is just, this? Dr. Terror's what? House of Horrors, which is also hilarious because it all like the, the story that connects it all all takes place on a train. It's not even in a house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I watched that one on VHS. It is so much fun. Yeah, that that is a classic. And you got Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing in that one. And uh, Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Donald Sutherland's in that, too. Yeah. Very young Donald Sutherland. Yeah, the Amicus really could bring a cast together. Oh, yeah. Did either of you guys see VHS 99? I did. I saw it at Beyond Fest. It, I just watched it on Shudder. Um, it is, it for me, it was pretty typical of what um, the VHS movies are, which to me is, um, I mean, first of all, it's hit or miss because, you know, it's anthology. Yeah. But also, none of them felt like they finished you know it's like it's like they all had good concepts leading up to it and then all of a sudden it's it's almost like they didn't know how to end them so they just ended it in the most crazy way possible Mm. i don't know what i did like is they embraced the 90s the the 99 aspect 1999 yeah there's one the one about the band and they're doing like their social media yeah (laughs) that one was cool and i think my favorite was the one um with the uh with the i think it's called gawker the one with the kids who are spying on the girl across the street oh yeah yeah i think that's my favorite one of the bunch but yeah that was a good one uh like i yeah i saw the anthology and i was a big fan of um uh, a lot of the segments uh and yeah that segment in particular was uh directed by tyler mcintyre who did uh tragedy girls and it was interesting getting his uh perspective after the movie because he was saying you know that you know fitting in the 1999 theme that was like kind of a horror twist on you know like sex comedies at the time like american pie yeah that's that's what it felt like because they're gawking over this girl that lives across the street from them who kind of starts being friendly with their little brother you know? and they install like a camera or, or like they hack into her web camera yeah because they use the little brother who's friends with her to get in there to yeah, yeah. uh for me my favorite uh segment and ties into another movie i saw uh, was probably the to hell and back uh, bit at the end where like these guys are documenting a witch's ritual on New Year's Eve 1999 and they get sucked into hell and uh, they have to figure out a way to get out of hell by the uh, by the uh, before the end of the ritual at midnight and they befriend like this weird gremlin lady named Mabel the Skullbiter. Yeah, she she's this movie's Ratma. Oh, yeah, exactly. I was just going to yeah. say, yeah, the 
like there and there is even is a little cameo by Ratma, like a little Ratma doll uh makes an appearance but yeah no mabel's definitely the standout star just because like she she yeah she's kind of like this almost golem like a uh, demon woman that the camera people kind of befriend and try to figure out how to get to hell while they're being attacked by like other demons and weird shit i just i haven't seen 99 but i did love that the ratma twitter uh yeah like when it premiered was just like what the hell like <laughs> where am i <laughs> where am i basically I, I i that cracked me up i i need it's on my watch list yeah yeah and uh yeah that was directed by uh joseph winner and vanessa winner who also directed another great release this year uh deadstream uh did either, either of you guys see that uh is that also on shutter Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. uh, it's also in Shutter. Um, yeah, it's basically a found footage thing about this like YouTuber, like celebrity guy who uh, does something really bad that knocks his um, uh, popularity. So he decides to film himself inside a haunted house to get his viewership back, and it turns out the house actually is haunted. And it, I can best describe it as uh, like evil dead for the uh tiktok generation because yeah it's yeah it's it's like a found footage thing and like the guy is again attacked by like all these ghouls and ghosts and stuff and like it's all i think it's almost entirely practical effects very well done uh although there's a lot of slapstick like he gets smacked around and like the like yeah like he has to fight these demons and stuff it it's it's a lot of fun. I would recommend it. Have you guys seen? I, I saw a Facebook ad for it somewhere, um, and I checked it out. It's called the the haunting of the murder house. Have you guys what? heard about this? It it's weird because it made me think. I had actually forgotten that I watched it <laughs> until you brought up Deadstream because it sounds like the same thing. There's this um team of ghost hunters that have like this YouTube channel, and they go into this house called the murder house, and they um what what drew me in, which is a complete red herring the facebook ads were saying you know it basically it used the setup for the blair witch it's like all in 1999 these people went into this house a year later their footage was found it's not that at all not even close but it's um basically this live stream and they have a guy in the van who's producing the stream and the three of them are locked in the house and um it's you know some of it is actually pretty engaging i mean it, it's they have some there's one scene where one of the guys is locked in a room they do like dares with their audience they say what should we do and they say you know lock him in lock him in so he locks himself in this room and um there's all these mannequins in the room or there's there's a mannequin in the room that is you know haunted i guess you could say um and that that scene's actually kind of uh crazy but i mean the, the movie as a whole is kind of one of those it's like it it's one of those found footage movies where that where someone's like hey you know they wake up one morning like oh let's make a movie <laughs> yeah like a lot of found footage movies where you know anybody can do it so anybody does yeah hmm. but yeah it and yeah and and it definitely needed a better title <laughs> yeah that's that is one of the most generic sounding titles. <laughs> yeah, murder house with like it's so the, many words. The haunting of the murder house. Oh, haunting yeah. of the murder All house. All it needed yeah. was the haunting of the Amityville murder house. <laughs> in it. Yeah. yeah, just throw that on the pile. <laughs> one of those like algorithm slightly sounds like something else. <laughs> asylum film thing. I, I programmed this AI to title my movie, and this is what it came up with. Um, yeah, and also I just wanted to bring up that I did um, three horror movie marathons last month. Of course, and, did. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised but, it wasn't five. How much stuff did you win at these? Uh, um, <laughs> <marathons>? <laughs> yeah, no, I was gonna say you guys were gonna hate me because like I went to a triple feature at the at Beyond Fest where I saw uh Kids versus Aliens, a wounded fawn VHS 99 and I and I won something at every screening that day. Yeah. Oh no, why would we hate you? We expect it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's like saying, "Oh, I'm so upset that, you know, uh Jay's dog was adorable today." Okay. It's you just know? what we it's, do. It's, we, we just expect it. Of course Loomis is adorable. You yeah. walk out of the house and someone throws a Blu-ray at you. Yeah, it, it just <laughs> happens. I'm just walking walking down the street and I, I end up uh, catching a T-shirt. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so I did a few uh, marathons last month. Uh, let's see. I did the um, 
uh, Friday Night Frights Creature Feature Thon over Braindead Studios. So, you know, it was all uh, monster movie themed. It was all 16 millimeter through uh, Secret 16 and the Museum of Home Video. And that was pretty fun. Uh, let's see. We did uh, Parasite, the uh, uh, full moon Parasite, not Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Uh, and the Alligator People... Uh, which is apparently one of Joe Dante's favorites. Uh, Stephen King's Graveyard Shift. Uh, Fun one. Frank- yeah. yeah, Frankenstein Unbound from Roger Corman. Uh, Q, The Winged Serpent. Oh, I fucking love Q. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that, that one rules. And, uh, the, and the real bar- uh, barn buster at the end, Critters. Yeah. Critters is always a great time. Yeah, no, that, that's just a fun thing in general. Like, the audience like practically gave it a standing ovation of the scene where uh, D Wallace stone is like shooting the critters. And one of them says they have weapons. And then the other critter says, so what? And then the critter gets blown away by D Wallace stone. And the other one just says, fuck <laughs> it. It deserves a standing ovation. It, it does that. That was pure cinema. Uh, and let's see, then uh, had the uh, new Beverly Horathon, uh, which was all 35 millimeter. And uh, let's see, that was, oh, uh, yeah, Nightmare Beach, uh, the uh, Florida Giallo m- movie with uh, John Saxon, uh, the people in the dark, this kind of weird Euro horror where like everybody's blind, uh, the Black Scorpion, the giant monster movie, uh, I Madman, Meta, kind of not. Uh, 90s slasher thing uh night of the zombies weird uh italian zombie movie and the 2008 uh, 2009 remake of sorority row with carrie fisher hmm. how was that like that's one of those ones that i've been interested in in checking out just I, I don't know i had an idea of checking out a lot of those 90s slasher remakes recently. yeah you know Honestly, it was one of the most fun uh, screenings of the night. And, you know, it held up surprisingly well because, uh, yeah, it had that kind of uh, late 2000s mean spiritness and gore, but also it was pretty fun and had a lot of good gags. And like the killer's whole shtick is uh, like he has this like tricked out um, tire iron with like spikes and stuff. That's and right. with like a <laughs> knife attached to. One yeah, and yeah. Stuff. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that in the ads. No, it's it's actually pretty fun. And yeah, no, Carrie Fisher like steals the show every time she appears. Well, that's just Carrie Fisher. Yeah, she, she has a fucking shotgun. Fucking icon <laughs> right there. Yeah. Carrie Fisher with a shotgun. One of my heroes. Uh Oh, and lastly, and uh, certainly not least, uh, we had the uh, annual Arrow Horathon, which had some real good uh, selections this year. Uh, we had uh, Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions, uh, which you Fuck know I feel yeah. feels very underrated. You know, it's a lot of fun. It's one uh, of my and, favorites. Yeah. Uh, then we have uh, Hammer's Horror of Dracula, or Dracula. You know, the Hammer Dra- first Hammer Dracula movie with uh, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, uh, and uh, this one got a good reaction out of the crowd. Uh, the Hidden with uh, Kyle MacLachlan and uh, uh, Mortuary from 1983 with a very young but charismatic Bill Paxton. I was going to say that's Bill Paxton, right? Yeah, that yeah. is Bill Paxton. Paxton, not Pullman. <laughs> nope. Yeah, no, don't get it mixed up unless you're watching Brain Damage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, and then we had uh, Lucio Fulci's Zombie, you know, and people lost their goddamn shit over the uh, eye splinter scenes. Of course. How could you not? That's a good crowd one. And lastly, uh, Slaughterhouse Rock, which I had never seen before. That sounds like an interesting one. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, and the fun thing, though, about the Arrow Horathon was that I actually got to be a character in the, uh, you know, in between segments, you know, like the little storyline in between. And I was uh, I was Roddy Piper handing out Blu-ray copies of American Sniper because like there's a lot of uh, rhyming scheme scheming with the uh, characters. Were were you dressed like Roddy Piper? Uh, yes. No, I was dressed as Roddy Piper, and you I had have like pictures a of this. Uh, yes, I do. Nice. And, <laughs> and also, in the in between segments, I got beaten up by Mecha Corn Gorn because Corn Gorn had his corn stolen. Corn uh, Gorn, of course, being the living god and uh, mascot of the Horathon. And uh, yeah, no, so everybody had Stark's deficiency, so I, as Roddy Piper, was defeated. 
by Mecca Corncorn. That's going to be our, our episode picture is you as Roddy Piper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun time. Uh, but no, it was an honor. And uh, yeah, and no, I just, I really love the kind of like inner lore and, and mythology of uh, the horrorthon. Uh, but yeah, no, just uh, there was a lot of great horrorthons this year. And I was glad I was able to hit three, three horrorthons, 18 movies. Wow. Speaking of Hammer, uh, Dracula, I finally watched the final two, uh, Dracula, 1972 uh, AD, and the Satanic Rites of Dracula. Oh, and yeah, yeah. They did not disappoint. Like, I, I, yeah, there wasn't much Chris Frilly in 72, and he kind of just stayed in a church, you know? But it was still really cool seeing, like, what was the, mo- you know, Dracula in modern time is now, again, a historical piece because it was 72, you know? Mm-hmm. But Satanic Rites of Dracula blew me away in just the fact that they made Dracula basically because he's in modern time. He's like, oh, how can I be super evil? And he basically becomes like a very successful businessman and is in charge of like this mega corporation. And they're trying to manufacture like the bubonic plague, but times 10, you know, and it's so cool. And he basically tricks all these powerful people into thinking that he's like this great, powerful satanic being. And I get the feeling that like all the satanic bits was just Dracula manipulating them into thinking that they were going to get immortality and all the shit. And then basically being like, Nope, I'm a vampire. Bitch. <laughs> um, but- also that, that was around that time that, you know, like Satan movies post Rosemary's baby and all, and all and the exorcist and all that were pretty popular. Oh, totally. And it, it nailed the satanic uh, aesthetics down really well because they had like a nice like showdown between uh, Dracula and one of the descendants of Van Helsing, who was introduced in 72 is still Peter Cushing. And but one of my favorite parts of it is what's the motivation behind Dracula? wanting to murder everybody because if he's all that's left, then he's like the king of nothing. And they kind of explored a bit where it's just Dracula wants everyone dead so he could be left alone. And it makes sense (laughs) with how many Dracula movies they made and how many times he's resurrected. And he's just like, dude, I just want to fucking die. Like if I have to kill everyone in the world in order to die peacefully, finally, I'll fucking do it. And he he tried, man. He tried once again, (laughs) a a villain who is right. Yeah, I said Bane was right. I said Thanos was right. And I'll say Dracula is right. Leave him alone. (laughs) First of all, we'll not say that any of them were right, but I understand. I get that. I get that. Getting constantly woken up like, you know, especially at that point where it's like your whole body. Those resurrection scenes never look like fun for who's getting resurrected. So I, I get it. I would be pissed off, too, if I got woken up in the seventies in like mod central uh, London and had to be stuck in a fucking church the entire time, you know, only to be killed again by a descendant of hell saying like, I would, I would be pretty pissy too. This is explaining a lot about Jason Voorhees after part six. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a crabby dude because he's like, dude, I was dead. I was resting and you had to, strike me with lightning <laughs> well it's kind of like in buffy when they brought buffy back and she's like what the fuck guys i was in heaven and now i don't know if i'm gonna go back there i was at peace i didn't have to deal with all this bullshit and now i'm like beyond depressed and it's like i get it but like you know dracula so yeah no highly recommend those two i know they get a lot of flack uh and say like they're not great as like an overall end to the hammer dracula movies but i had so much fun with them Pretty much everything we're talking about today, since we haven't talked in a while, is going to be kind of old. But from from about a month or so ago, um, either you guys see Smile. No. Nah. Smile is um, it. It's on, on one hand, it's a pretty typical, like outrun the curse movie, like, you know, it follows or uh, Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. You know, it's, it's that kind of a thing. But on the other hand, it is really, really well made. And um, it's directed by... Uh, Parker Finn, who it, it's a it's kind of an elaboration on a short film he did. And I would love to see. I mean, he he directs the shit out of this movie. We're checking that explicit box all over the place today. Aren't we? <laughs> well, after my Dracula rant. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're just so passionate. <laughs> he, uh, he directs the crap out of Smile. And I really want to see what he can do with 
a more original story because smile is a good movie it's i mean it's scary as hell it's got some great scares it's kind of from that whole james wan um where there's a couple cheap scares that set you up for like the real ones you know it's um but it's i mean it's a really well-made movie it's it's a good movie it's just a story that you've seen before and i really would like to see what parker uh but Parker Finn can do with um, with a more original story. So I, I'm looking forward to what he's doing, what what he's going to do next, because uh, I think it'll be good. He's a, he's a good director. It did look like an amalgam and then, oh shit, why did I choose to use that word? Uh, it looked like a combination of like a lot of things that you've seen before, which again, isn't inherently bad. I, I will never fall for someone doing something that's been done before, but doing their own spin on it. And it's it it doesn't become re because like nothing's original. Everything has a, has been done at some point before. It's what you do with it to make it fun, you know. Uh, not everything can be barbarian where it's just like insanely <laughs> original, you know. There's only twelve notes on the keyboard, as yeah. Bach would say. Now, uh, there was another recent one that I think we all watched: Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah. I did not watch Hellraiser. Damn Hellraiser. It, Jay. I know. I'm the one that doesn't watch things. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I I'm so turned off by the later Hellraiser movies. I couldn't get excited for it. Although I am excited to see the new Pinhead, and I'll get to it eventually. But yeah, she's incredible. Um, I will uh, before we talk about the new one. I will say I've been that person that has only ever watched the first two because I heard so much about the sequels and is so massively in love with the first two. So I rewatched the first two and then I watched three and four and I just want to bitch for a moment about three because (laughs) my God, talk about not understanding the assignment. Like they suddenly were just making Cenobites left and right. And all the Cenobites were acting like some fucking like Terminator Robocop fucking Cenobite things. Like, uh, like, hell on earth just and it's so sad because i like that i like that director's work he made the awesome um full moon full eclipse movie he made jane the ripper and waxwork yeah he made all these cool ones and then like hell uh hellraiser hell on earth just felt like it was just like what are you and then like bloodline felt like it was trying to correct it a bit but then like got like swept up in some like i don't know what was happening behind the scenes probably some weinstein bullshit but yeah i and that made me stop with the sequels like how i did children of the corn one through six and eventually got to a point where i'm like all right i've, I've, I've had enough <laughs> i i probably i do want to watch inferno at some point soon because that was scott no, Dickerson, yeah. early work but uh i will say after re-falling in love with one and two and being incredibly sidelined and just like dismayed by three and four hellraiser 2022 was uh, a breath of fresh air because it felt like it was more in line with the originals um it felt like we got it like stayed within like the mythology it stayed within the themes and the thoughts of it but was a completely different take you know because with the uh i think i think my first note was where did all the sexy leather daddy stuff go like uh they completely wash that away. And this one is more focused, not so much on the pleasure, but the pain. And that was the big theme of it, which I found to be a very interesting take. And the new, you know, priest or pinhead, if you want to call it, was fucking phenomenal. She she killed it. Um, some great kills, some great visual stuff happening. And uh, the characters were actually interesting to watch, you know, Um and then what they did with the box itself was so much fun. Like I, I just had, I just had, it, it's one of those ones where I had a lot of fun with it. And then like everyone started trashing it online or not everyone, but like, you know, the people that were against it were very vocal. And I'm just like, I don't like, I had fun with it. I had, I enjoyed the movie. I don't feel like defending it that hard. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I enjoyed it. I don't, I don't need to fight online people over this. Same with, Halloween movies. I I, yeah. I stay out of those. Yeah. Arguments. We'll we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But yeah, Jacob, what do you think of the new Hellraiser? Uh, I really liked it. Um, I was very fortunate to see it theatrically at Beyond Fest. Um, but no, I thought it was an interesting spin on the uh, lore and kind of mythology of the franchise, and uh, you know, kind of readjusted for <laughs> this uh, uh, adaptation. 
because yeah no i i get i get that that you know it seemed more like they were focused uh kind of uh on yeah the pain more than the pleasure uh and actually at the q a uh you know the uh, bruckner and those guys were talking about how uh you know for the designs for the cenobites and you know kind of the aesthetic they were go- kind of going more toward the original uh descriptions and uh characterizations from uh the hellbound heart and uh, they actually um had clive barker there and you know he was he was talking about that too you know saying that you know like uh the original well the you know, the original or, or, or the uh hellraiser movie uh set up by designs were you know kind of of its time so he, he you know even he agreed that they wanted to try something different you know because it was a different story which they, which i'm glad they did because i feel that focus that more focus on the pain and having their kind of suits be their own you know uh mutilated bodies uh was much more fitting um uh, to, and it, you know, we have the technology now where, with practical effects and whatnot to be able to pull that off. I, I feel a, a bit, uh, a lot better than back in the, don't get me wrong, there was amazing practical effects back in the 80s, but, you know, it's understandable to like do a do a hard focus on like the head and like some other features and then cover it the rest with uh, leather or pleather, whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, as you know, I, I'm just thinking back to Mad Max, how only Max had a leather jacket and everyone else wore le- pleather. So, <laughs> uh, and in terms of uh, big new releases, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention Terrifier Two. Ah, uh, go for it. I haven't seen it. I haven't watched any Terrifier movies. So. You didn't like the first Terrifier, did you, Jacob? I did not. Okay, what do you think of, of two? I haven't seen two. Yeah, you know that was the thing. I did not like ter- the original Terrifier, but. Yeah, no, I thought Terrifier 2 was uh, pretty solid. Like, definitely an improvement over the first one. Also, probably has to have the longest runtime of any slasher movie ever made. Good God. It is a long one. What is it, 218 or something like that? Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's technically like two hours and 15 minutes. It's just, I think it got extended to two and a half hours because the movie has a... uh, making of featurette after uh the movie but yeah i mean still it's ri- ridiculously long for a slasher movie because like i mean just imagine a two hour and 15 uh, minute long nightmare on elm street or friday the 13th slashers are supposed to be 80 minutes long 80 90 tops <laughs> but yeah no so it, it did kind of break the mold on that but it worked uh for for the most part yeah because you know it is very compelling although yeah probably could have been a little bit shorter but overall though it, it was an improvement over the first because uh you know like there was a lot of good characterization like there was uh some good characters to kind of uh throw off of art well art of the clown of course being kind of the star of the show still uh and having some insane and over-the-top uh kills like that were entirely or almost entirely practical effects um yeah, so it definitely is memorable. <laughs> and that was the mark marketing toward it too, because that you, you hear all these news reports about people vomiting and fainting and like losing it over Terrifier 2, and that's gotta be what helped its success because like it I think it was like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget and it's uh currently at at I think like eight million dollars at the box office. It's it's insane. There are, are Christian news sites that are calling it a box office bomb. It'll say box <laughs> office bomb, terrifier, making people throw it's like I mean, box office bomb, if you compare it to Top Gun Maverick, yeah. But if you compare revenue to cost, it's a huge hit. Well, I mean, (laughs) even if you factor in, typically you'll spend like the same budget on marketing. So if they even did spend another 250,000 on marketing, I, first of all, I, I, I believe most of the marketing is just word of mouth. Yeah. It's viral. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, still, that's that's uh, five hundred thousand when you make eight million. Like, that's some good profit margin. So, like, I'm and and it was made from the dudes over at wasn't it made from the dudes over at Dread Central? I mean, Uh, it's bloody. I think it was bloody. Was it bloody disgusting? Okay, I think the first one. They produced it in part, at least. Uh, And yeah, it's like Screenbox. Screenbox, I think, also helped put it out. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's this isn't 
a freaking Blumhouse production. This is, you know, these are dudes that we've probably met and hung out with <laughs> that yeah. made this movie. So yeah, it's a uh, and it's on Screenbox now too. Yeah, so. yeah. it is. If you yep. don't yeah, want to available theaters. to stream. If you want to keep your puke, your, your puking at home, you can watch <laughs> if, you to, if you want to stay close to your bucket, <laughs> yeah, uh, on Screenbox, which, uh, which, first of all, I just want to say, there's we're living in a world which is great. We now have Shutter, we have Screenbox. There's a few others, uh, and they're all like five bucks a month. Too. And then you got Tubi for free for the deep cuts. Like, damn, dude. Actually, Tubi. This brings. I'm. I'm going to do some some quick cuts right now, just Ooh. because it's stuff that I even that I just caught up with or interested me. And the first one let's go. I saw on Tubi. It's this movie called from 2015 called be my cat, a film for Anne. Have you guys heard about this? I have heard about it. You know, it's the uh, murmurs from the more girls. Uh, ah, I brought this movie up a few it, times. Yeah, it, 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 it's up there alley. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um it's basically it's like a found footage movie. It's about this amateur filmmaker who is obsessed with Anne Hathaway as Catwoman in The Dark Knight Rises. So he gets all these actresses and he says he's making a movie, but he ends up just like torturing and killing these actresses. It's um it's pretty disturbing. I mean, it it really there, there's one actress who um who shows up and she kind of looks like Anne Hathaway but she's a little heavier and he says something to him he's like oh you put on some weight blah blah you know well he finds a way to make her lose weight let's say uh, it's uh. um it, yeah it's a pretty disturbing movie but anyway yeah that's uh and that's on Tubi um also there's this movie I I saw on Vudu it was cheap so I and it was en- a, enough of an experiment that I wanted to check it out called the pandemic anthology which is exactly what it sounds. Someone put out a call for short films made during the pandemic and they're a hit or miss. Most of them are from South America. A lot of them are from Brazil, Um, but they range from complete amateur, you know, productions to pretty slick movies. Um, And they're hit or miss like any anthology, but it's an interesting enough. I think there's 13 in total in it. And I think it's, it may only be like 80 minutes. So like, like every each one of these is only like five or six minutes. So, you know, even if one sucks, you don't have to wait long for the next one to come along. But also a, a few things that I that I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on just because we've already talked about them, but I caught up with them. First, Crimes of the Future. Um, I'm a huge Cronenberg fan, and this did not disappoint me. It scratched that itch. Yeah, I was expecting something different. Um, I think I think it was uh, Jacob that said that it's very existenzy. And it very much is. I, I wasn't expecting it to be as existency as it was, but yeah, it it it's yeah. If you're a Cronenberg fan, crimes. If you, it, it, he's hearkening back to classic Cronenberg, he's not. He's he's leaning away from the Eastern Promises history of violence Cronenberg. So it's it's kind of cool, which I'm here for. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I also saw Fall. <laughs> Which uh, <laughs> I have to say, everything Korea said about it was what hundred percent correct. Um, and there's one more thing that, I, which without giving it away, there is a twist in it that is exactly the same as a twist from a from a movie a couple of years ago that was not a horror movie. Yeah. Um, and and it was done better in the non horror movie. <laughs> you know, I actually got I actually got mad about Fall again recently because they had that because <laughs> the whole stupid plotline with the boyfriend and how he can't say I love you, so he says one four three instead. Yeah, that's a Mister Rogers thing. Mister <laughs> Rogers loved the fact that his weight was always one four three. He always said my weight is one four three, which stands for I love you because you know I love you right and they fucking took that and they made it something dirty and douchey and i think out of everything that fall did that is the thing that upsets me the most (laughs) i got i got i just thought of it randomly while driving the other day and i was just like god damn it um so and and one more that i caught up with glorious which um it (laughs) that is what a crazy movie it is yeah that that's another one of those just like it packed a lot in its short runtime, like respect. And it's so funny because like the glory hole aspect that, that you expect at some point, the monster's like, what are you doing? <laughs> that was like the best part. He's like, oh, dude, this isn't that. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, why are you? I didn't ask for that. <laughs> so good. Yeah, that was good. So anyway, um, yeah, those, those, those are the quick, uh, quick cuts. Well, actually, speaking of Rebecca McKendry, who 
Rowan directed Glorious, of course. Uh, she co-wrote the most recent Bring It On movie called Bring It On, Cheer or Die, which I was way too hyped for. Uh, That's right up her alley, too. If you know anything about her, if you listen to Shockwaves or Killer POV or yeah. anything, you know, this this is a project made for her. <laughs> and and uh, I have to say, like, I first of all, as someone who has watched most of the Bring It On movies, I stopped before Cheer Smack uh, or Hashtag cheer world or was it cheer worldwide hashtag cheer smacks i <laughs> nah, nah. after the one with rihanna like yeah, i didn't need to see anymore but uh cheer or die uh the, my own it, it it suffered from budget that's 100 uh it, it looked and felt like a sci-fi original movie um well wasn't it i mean it was an original like for it was. some was it hulu it, it was an original for some Streaming I think it, platform. Yeah, I think it. I think it was like uh, uh, something like that. Uh, I don't know about a streaming platform, but I think it was for sci-fi or something. But yeah, it had that very like two thousands made for TV, uh, young adult feel to it. Um, surprisingly, the the cheer wasn't really there, and neither was the horror, which was a bit you know disappointing. But it, I, there was some really fun moments. There were some really great character moments. Like um, they've. Because they, it's basically these cheerleaders go to an old abandoned school where there was a cheer accident, so their cheer squad's not allowed to do stunts, so they they suck because they can't do cool stunts. They just have to do the regular pom poms and stuff, and so they go to the old school where the terrible accident happened to a cheerleader and was the cause of it to do a twenty four hour cheer sesh to get ready for regionals, and they get picked off one by one by a mysterious killer dressed up as uh, Diablo, their school mascot. And <laughs> and their mascot's a devil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh there's some there's some really fun moments like uh just with the dialogue mostly. Um like uh oh man, there's one where like this one guy's like really hyped to get with this girl and 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 like one of the cheerleaders is like, no, dude, she's a virgin. He's like, but she texted me tacos. Tacos, man. And she's like, Yeah, because she <laughs> she likes tacos, not not a, it wasn't a euthanism or like a metaphor for anything it's just like but tacos man you know um and there was some you know but like uh and of course you know when you know the killers reveal themselves there's a big fight scene and the cheerleaders use their cheers to fight back which was really great it, but if you're a fan of the uh, uh, bring it on franchise especially like the straight to video ones it's it's fun it's fun in there uh the horror is is a little you know made for tv not as like gory or anything that you would want and like uh it is a little bit uh paint by numbers slasher but honestly i i had a lot of fun with it so if you catch it on something for free why not why not yeah uh, check it out um and i i saw an interesting movie uh on the festival circuit um i i only went to one movie at scream fest and it well, technically two. Uh, okay, so I saw this one called the uh, Once in Future Smash, directed by uh, Sofia Coachella and uh, Michael J. Epstein, and uh, it's basically a mockumentary about this uh, fictional uh, slasher franchise uh, called Endzone, and uh, and it's basically a football themed slasher from 1970 with a uh, like broken jawed football player cannibal named smash mouth and the mockumentary set in modern times and it's about uh these two older actors who both played uh the killer and are both vying for the role of uh the killer again in modern times as a part of a uh uh reboot of the franchise so it's a very funny and uh kind of biting satire on like horror franchises and horror conventions and kind of the fandom and all that stuff, but it's got a lot of heart and feels very affectionate. Uh, so it was basically like the horror equivalent of a Christopher guest movie. So I, I thought it was really funny. Mm. Uh, and when they played it there, yeah, they actually played uh, end zone two, uh, the lost uh, slasher movie. And it just played up as kind of like a horror, you know, like a slasher parody uh, and it looked vintage, uh, and it was just kind of funny seeing them back to back like that. Was it a full length movie or was it a short? End Zone Two. Uh, End Zone Two was only an hour long, okay. so, so uh, that's still longer than I thought it would be for a what's yeah, no, essentially I mean, a joke. Yeah, basically a full movie. 
Uh, and yeah, yeah, so it's a good double feature seeing them back to back like that. Uh, yeah, no, I just find it very inventive and I uh, hope it gets uh, widespread release soon because, you know, it's definitely the type of horror movie for horror fans. All you listeners may have noticed we've been dancing around something because we wanted to end with it. <laughs> but uh, we all saw Halloween ends and yep. you all probably have as well. Don't worry if you haven't. We're not going to get super spoilery. No. And and it definitely it definitely is something that can be spoiled because here's the deal with Halloween. You've probably heard it's very polarizing. It's not the Halloween movie that you probably expected. And here's the thing about Halloween movie, the Halloween movies fan base. They if, if Season of the Witch and the Rob Zombie movies have told us anything, it's that they don't embrace change very well at all. The fans, yeah. And <laughs> Halloween Ends is change. <laughs> it, it, it takes things in a different direction. I thought it was pretty refreshing, actually. Um, of course, there are plot holes. But, you know, like we've said in the past, where did a podcaster get $3,000 for an interview? You know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Halloween is built on plot holes. Who taught him to drive? <laughs> yeah totally he was doing very well last night um <laughs> yeah yeah right from the first episode or from the first entry people 40 were doing years of, of yeah. yeah um i enjoyed it i thought it was it, like i said i thought it was a refreshing change they're definitely i can understand people's outrage but only because they were outraged by you know the, these are the same people who were i mean not to spoil anything that people have probably already seen. These are the same people who are outraged by Friday the 13th part five, you know? Yeah. I think that's a, a, an unfair comparison because first of all, I, I love the new trilogy. Uh, I, 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 I think it's more in line with what John Carpenter and Deborah Hill wanted from the franchise, which is about the effects of pure evil unleashed on an unsuspecting town. Uh, and I think that that vision quickly got lost with Halloween 2. As much as I have fun with and love Halloween 2, I I it's I I never saw it as like a part of their original vision for what they wanted for the franchise. And Season of the Witch kind of tried to bring that back to it of just unrelenting evil being unleashed. Um and I I really loved what this new franchise was doing about trauma and about evil and like the effects on the on the town. And I saw it on TikTok. Someone made a really good um critique of people who hated kills and ends especially uh aren't fans of hollow of deborah hill and john carpenter's halloween they're michael myers fans yeah and they were upset that the focus isn't on michael myers even though he has more screen time than he did in the original halloween so fuck all of you on that front also we got like the ultimate like michael mike uh mike myers is going fucking nuts on people and kills so like he needed a he needed that time to to take a break, man. He was the focus on kit in kills. Yeah. Oh, dude, he had all the kills. Kills is my least favorite of the new trilogy, and you know, I I think I discussed my issues with it, so you know, I won't go into them here. But um, he he is he is the focus of kills. In ends, the focus does shift, and you know, we're tiptoeing around it. But again, does it shift though? Because it, the the focus is still the effects of the town, and basically. Without getting too spoilery, ends is about the town essentially creating Michael Myers again, a new Michael Myers, and that evil continuing. And it, I, I, you know, I, I loved everything about it. The the bisexual energy of the relationship with Michael and uh, uh, what's his name, Corey. I lo- Corey. Corey. I loved uh, uh, Lori, like looking him in the eyes and immediately just being like, "Fuck." Uh, but another thing I really loved was just seeing Lori and her granddaughter living their lives like that, that you get to see Lori kind of revert back to a teenager because she never had that. She never yeah. got to be a teen. She never got to experience. She was always in, you know, uh, bunker down bug out mode. And so here she is 40 years after this traumatic event, kind of being a teenager, kind of having like a crush and being, being shy, like wearing dresses, just like living her life. And I love that. The, the, the crush that you bring up, 
that was kind of one of my problems when I first saw it. I'm like, oh, why do we need this? But then when you think about it and you're like, oh, you know what? She never had that. Yeah. You know, clearly she got married and had a kid and all, but she was always that Sarah Connor, you know, looking over her shoulder character. So it, you're right. It was good to see her just a little, at least for, you know, until Put her hair down a bit. Yeah. You know? Until shit hits the fan. It was good to see her a little relaxed and, you know, yeah. not looking over her shoulder. She's she's living in a house that doesn't have bars on the windows and a basement that, you know, a basement bunker. And, and, and of course, you, you know, because we saw it in the trailers, the final fight. Uh, I thought was was great because they established like this Michael this Michael Myers is in rough shape. He's been rough. he got the shit beaten out of him and has been he's old li- been living in a sewer for four. I love totally sewer Michael Myers. Old. I love Judd, sewer Michael. Chud Michael. <laughs> Chud Michael. But no, totally, he is old. He's got to be like in his sixties by now. Right. No, no, he's got to be in like his seventies. And I. I love that they 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 basically showed like no he still like has that strength but he's not he's not fucking J- uh, Jason Voorhees he's not some like undying supernatural force like he he'll have like little spurts but at this point like he's probably got arthritis he's you know he he, <laughs> he didn't go to the hospital after so he just you know he's still struggling from all his wounds from four years prior and you know I, it's I I thought that was done really well I liked how they did the whole like thing at the end where it was kind of like a cathartic thing for the town but like you you see it throughout the movie everyone's just kind of projecting their trauma onto each other whether it's Corey or Lori you know Corey and Lori um or the granddaughter like you just have all these moments of it and I I like don't get me wrong the David Gordon Green trilogy is not perfect there's you know again where do you get three thousand dollars for a podcast Um, (laughs) but you know there's a lot of stuff that is that doesn't that might not work entirely but the fact that they went for it the fact that they did it i think was awesome and you know i don't think carpenter would have like obviously carpenter has said in the past that he is happy when other people remake his stuff because it's a check (laughs) you know he's always stoked about that but he's he has he wasn't that involved with any of the others you know with this one he's much more involved he made the music he produced them so i don't think he would have been that involved if they weren't doing something that wasn't something that he was excited about you know and you know i understand there's a lot of people you know that are coming at it and a lot of them are horrible takes i will not have a quote discussion with anyone who just goes it's an abomination it's the worst thing to happen to humanity and then that's all they have to say. Like, yeah. that's that's not an argument. That's just a reaction. I love the the petition to reshoot Halloween ends. It's like, Fuck oh, off. It, it, I don't care how many signatures that gets. It, it, it's not it, gonna nothing happen. is going to make them reshoot. Halloween ends. No. And, and then here's the thing, too. This might be the end of this storyline. The storyline that they that they started in 2018. It's the end of this is this. That doesn't mean that they won't make another Halloween movie years from now. Are you kidding? Oh, me? No. It, it makes money. Um, and and we saw it before with the backlash of three, and then we got four and five. You know, as a reaction to that. You know, the the series has always been really good about like coming back uh, and giving giving kind of like what the fans complained about prior, uh, whether it was like six went two off the rails. So let's bring Laurie back and do H2O resurrection was a, even resurrection took risks. Um, it, oh, yeah. It, it didn't land well at all. Well, resurrection was trying to be it, it's funny because we were talking about VHS 99 earlier. Resurrection was trying to capitalize on like Big Brother, you know, that the reality TV real world. Yeah, it was tra- it was trying to capitalize danger. Yeah. On what was going on at the time. And yeah, it didn't always. I mean, it was an interesting idea. But yeah, it didn't it didn't quite stick the landing. Yeah. And uh, off of that, you know, I I actually do appreciate uh, the David Gordon Green trilogy for uh, giving the Laurie Michael storyline perhaps the best conclusion in the franchise since the beginning, because, yeah, no, just like the. Yeah, the resurrection stuff really didn't work on that front. And uh, (laughs) that's not even going into the. Thorn timeline movies with like four, five, and six, like that. Yeah, that was. Not I personally good. would like to not go into those. Oh yeah, no, I am the, not the a druids. I, I think it's known. I'm not a, a fan of four through six. Uh, yeah, which which is the thing, you know, just that. Uh, two uh, two points, you know, just that. Uh, yeah, that 
I feel like there was a lot of respect for the uh, Laurie Michael uh, storyline with this trilogy. And I feel like it gave it the best conclusion of anything in the franchise. And two is that, you know, like, of course, people are mad because, you know, like it, you know, it's been the curse of the franchise is that Michael Myers has been the focus because like Carpenter didn't even want to do Halloween, two. But and when he did too, he tried to kill Michael off as best he could, which is why it blows him up. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, and which is why you know it just keeps on happening because then even with Halloween four, you know Jamie Lloyd Daniel Harris was gonna be the new shape because like she, you know she like stabbed somebody, and fans didn't like that. They wanted more Michael. You know it's just that you could end you could hook like any movie in the franchise with just. But they wanted more Michael. They were gonna do this, but they wanted more Michael. You know it's just Michael, Michael, Michael. And so, I think. And I think that's where that argument I saw on the TikTok of Halloween fans versus Michael Meyer fans comes into play because you're right. That that is the case. And one of the things I really respect about this new trilogy is as much as it focuses on Laurie and Michael, you see it more so in kills that Laurie was kind of never the focus for Michael. It was always him just going back to the house. And that's why spoiler, if you haven't seen kills, he kills Lori's daughter and not Lori because she's the one that's in the house when he when he finally gets there, you know, and she's in the room. So it it kind of makes it, it makes total sense that even in ends, Lori's not the focus for Michael. It's getting back to the house and just murdering whoever the fuck is in there. And, uh, you know, and and yeah, that final fight scene was brutal in the David Gordon Green trilogy. Um, she's not his sister. Yeah. Which is Thank which is also fuck. why it's more the house than it is Lori. Thank fuck. I, I yeah. <laughs> that that I'm even you know, Carpenter does didn't like that. Yeah, twist. no, that yeah, that that was pulling a rabbit out of a hat. You know, I I'm not. I was I was never against the family. Again, as much as I say I'm not a fan of four through six and all that, like I'm I just, I don't hate those movies. I don't hate that storyline. I'm just glad that they didn't that they left it out, you know, like, I'm glad that it was like, all right, we're going to stick to what the first one did and let that. And that's the cool thing about the Halloween movies is there's so many timelines. Oh, you don't like this one. You you want more uh, trailer, trailer trash, like punk, you know, rock Halloween, watch the zombie movies. You want more like mythical Druid shit, watch one through six. You know, you want more like final woman storyline you watch it you know one two and h2o you know and like i think i always thought that was really cool or you want something completely fucking different and macabre watch three you know uh there's there's so much to choose from and it you would think that people would be more understanding of like there's something for and there's a different flavor for everyone in the halloween movies but still man did do they react like very very venomous when it's not exactly what they pictured change um, is scary to horror fans and i think that's one of the worst things about the internet is that oh yeah the toxic fandom is giving more voice let's close up this discussion of halloween ends and the podcast with another thing i saw i think it was on tiktok as well what does michael myers do for the rest of the year <laughs> he hangs out in his sewer he hangs out in his sewer until halloween and how does he know when it's halloween is it the chill in the air? Is it the decorations going up on the street? <laughs> no, I think well, so. I, I mean, there are visual indicators, so he could work off of that, or it's just he has a spider sense for Halloween. <laughs> That's yeah. what I want to think. It he has he has the Michael tingles <laughs> the for, uh, tingles. For oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, it can't be the Peter tingles. He's not Peter. No. Um, <laughs> and I and I did say this on Twitter because it's been alluded to a few times. I want a hobo Michael Myers movie. I want. <laughs> I want Michael Myers just like hanging out in his sewer with the with his mask on, just sitting there waiting and like befriending a dog or something. Or wait, no, he doesn't like dogs. So he, he, he that ate out. that dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't like that. But like you know, Rob Zombie's uh, Halloween Two had a hobo Michael. You know, Ends has a hobo Michael, and like it's alluded in the other ones that like you know he's lurking around somewhere. Like, I think there could be some like interesting stuff with it, especially like that relationship he had with the other hobo and Ends. Like, what was their dynamic? Um, yeah that, that was kind of weird for, yeah. for michael who usually kills anyone who he crosses except for Corey. yeah is it there must have been some symbiotic thing happening with that hobo to make him i want to spare him i want to yeah. see that spinoff <laughs> that sounds more like a sitcom than a horror movie though <laughs> 
Halloween, the hobo years. <laughs> it takes uh, two. Uh, <laughs> Michael funny, versus hobo with a shotgun. A funny thing <laughs> happened on the way to Halloween ends. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's kill it then. Let's kill. Let's. The let's, podcast ends tonight. Yes. <laughs> let's kill it with that. Um, so what, what did you think of Halloween ends? What do you think of everything else we have discussed? Um, and, uh, you know, th- this was kind of a different little thing. So I hope that you like hearing the three of us just bullshit because that's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, our music is by Restless Spirit. So give them a listen. And our artwork is by Chris Fisher. So give him a like. You can find us on any of the socials as Ion Horror or at iHorror.com, which is the site we all call home. And uh, let us know what you think of our opinions on any of these movies. Or if you saw something that we missed, let us know what you think about Halloween. And so I'm really curious to see because it's real polarizing. It seems like people either hate or love. I'm closer to the love. I don't know if I don't think it's as good as Halloween, but I think it's better than kills. So let us know what you think. And we'll see you hopefully in two weeks, unless we take another unplanned break. But uh, hopefully we'll try and keep on it because we're we're getting up to 100. And yeah. uh, we that's going to be a celebration. I don't know what we'll do, but I'm I'm declaring right now it's going to be a celebration. Mm. So. Yeah. We'll uh, see you <laughs> in a couple of weeks. So for me, James J. Edwards. I'm Jacob Davison. And I'm Jonathan Korea. Keep your eye on horror. 